This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Pipeline Podcast. We are at the Winter Meetings in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo. And we're joined to start things off here by Kyle Tucker, prospect in the Astros system. We're going to get to other stuff like the Rule 5 draft, but... Kyle, let's start with you being here at the winter meetings because you're not really here for baseball, right? Fortnite tournament. Mm -hmm. That's how, right. did, how did this all come about? Um, so my agent, uh, when I was in Houston, we went out to dinner and he was like, hey, there's, I guess MLB is like putting on like a little Fortnite tournament or something. He's like, if you want to be in it, just let me know. I was <laughs> like, uh, sure, why not? Like, we're going to play the game anyway, so might as well just have a little fun with some of the guys. And then... So MLBPA and the eSports kind of joined together, and we're doing a little thing out here. Nice. So how much time do you spend typically playing, playing Fortnite? Um, I mean, right now, a lot. Cause, <laughs> off I mean, season. Yeah, off season. I don't have to be at the field for 10 hours a day. But, you know, I wake up, go work out, come back home, eat, and just casually play for a couple hours. Now, I know you and, and, and Brendan Rogers are here, and you guys are friends. Are there, you know, aside from you know the, the prize that you could win for, for winning this thing, are there some bragging rights between the two of you about yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, you know, Brent, Brendan's getting on me. Brett's, Brett's been talking a lot of trash. He's, he's like, I don't, I don't even care if I win the whole thing. All, all I care is about is beating you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of more, more bragging rights. All right. So, so this is the winter meetings. We're going to talk some baseball, too, yeah, not, I think just, that's fair. not just the gaming. Uh, it's the winter meetings, and there's obviously so much going on here. I'm guessing it's your first time attending one of these. But from a player perspective, do you pay much attention from year to year to what's going on at the winter meetings? Um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of stuff happens during this time period. Um, I, I, in the offseason, I kind of just stick to my routine, working yeah. out and eating, getting healthier and getting prepared for the season. But... I mean, you, you always see a bunch of stuff like on Twitter and just read about it. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but you, I mean, I, I don't have any say in anything that goes <laughs> on, so I kind of just let it be. Yeah. Now, the fact that this is a year where your name is popping up in conversations, not necessarily in terms of you know, the Astros looking to move you, but what kind of moves they're going to make, do you pay more attention because of that or do you try to pay less attention because of that? Um. About the same. I mean, I don't get too amped up if I'm going to get traded or not. Um, you know, I'm happy with the Astros right now. We, we have a great team. We just got 103 wins, most in team history. So, I mean, um, we're looking to have a good, good good year next year with Altuve being healthy and Correa being back from that. And we're, we're going to be missing some guys with Dallas. He's not back. Marwin, uh, Lance. But, I mean, we're, gonna, we're I think we're going to have a really good team next year. You mentioned Marwin, and obviously that opens up a spot there, too, as well as the outfield. Looking back at last year, you got your first taste. Um, what do you take from that now, looking forward to the next time you're going to be up in Houston? Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't take it for granted or anything. You know, I love being up there with those guys and you know, being in Houston with those fans. It's, it's an awesome experience, and you know, uh, I love to you know, go out there and perform and you know, play for them. 
and you know, I, I'm excited for next year. I'm, I'm trying to make a big impact. Are there things that you, you learn? It was a brief amount of time, and I think people need to be reminded of that. Really small sample size, and you're up, and then you're down, and then you're up, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But are there things that you learn? You're like, all right, you know, I've, I've had to make adjustments as I've gone up. Here are some of the things that I know I need to, to improve upon so whenever that next time comes, you can stay for longer? Yeah. Um, you know, each level you have to make adjustments. I mean, well, I, I haven't faced any of these pitchers really before, so you kind of, once you get into a routine of facing them every now and then, you kind of pick out tendencies and everything and what the catcher likes to do when you're hitting and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it, it's different than the minor leagues. You have a lot more um, scouting reports and a lot of extra homework that you can build off of and, you know, get you, like, really prepared for the game. Was there any tendency to try to do too much, you know, especially knowing that you were getting this kind of like first audition and you want to make that first good impression? Uh, did you find yourself, you know, taking yourself out of what uh, the game plan, which was so successful for you in AAA last year? Uh, maybe at the beginning, just because, um, you know, it's the big leagues. I mean, you're, you're excited to be there. Um, but after, you know, a couple games or, you know, after the first few innings, when you settle in, you know, it kind of just becomes a routine and just a normal game. I wanted to ask you because you know, looking at your, your year in AAA, I mean, it really, I mean, you, you'd had some good numbers before. You'd been good, but kind of everything clicked for for you. What worked for you? I mean, we sort of talked a little bit about the struggles in the big leagues the brief time, but while you were in Fresno, I mean, you pretty much were on all cylinders most of the time. What what do you think really worked for you in 2018? When in the past you you know maybe you were running well but not hitting for as much power or vice versa but everything kind of came together. Yeah, um, I mean beginning of the season was a little up and down. Um, you know, new, new league I was in. I, was in, I haven't been in AAA before this year and facing new guys, so I kind of had to make an adjustment again. Um, so it's just really getting into a routine facing those guys because beginning of the season I've never faced them faced a lot more off speed this year so I kind of had to make the adjustment of you know sitting on some pitches in those accounts and um, you know my it was really like the second half when I kind of settled in you know did real well but um, it's kind of just picking out tendencies and what guys like to do because I mean if you face a guy ten times in a year you're, you're gonna feel more comfortable after facing him a couple times and that's the kind of thing I would imagine that once you get to the big leagues for an extended period of time you're gonna be able to have that same mindset and you know knowing that you're going to be able to pick up some of those tendencies mm -hmm. yeah i mean if like i said if you're going to face a guy once it's going to be a little weird because you've never seen what he throws or anything if you face him 10 15 times you're going to feel more comfortable just because you know what to expect and you, i mean if you just face him once you're going to watch the video before just so you don't go in there blind right. but it's you just feel more comfortable the more more you face guys okay now i think we can go to the fastball all right, you've all you've heard about it, I'm sure. The world famous fastball segment in the Pipeline podcast. Um, kind of quick questions with quick answers. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, we're gonna start with Fortnite because that's why you're here. What's your favorite Fortnite celebration? Mm. I don't know. There, there's so many to choose from. I'd probably say Floss. That gets used a lot. I have no idea what that means, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Fortnite guy. All right, moving on. Who would win a home run derby, you or Preston? I don't know. I always get on him. Last few years, I would say me. Last okay. few years, I beat him in home runs. But he said mine didn't count because they weren't in the big leagues. But uh, I, I'd pick me. 
Well, hopefully soon enough you'll both be up yeah, there. Yeah, I, I got to pass them. Yeah, you can really have the, the true competition. <laughs> All right. We've heard that you're a pretty good soccer player. Some truth to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I played soccer before high school. All right. Who do you model the game after on the pitch, Messi or Ronaldo? Who are you Who are you uh, closer? Yeah, I, I, I like Messi. Okay. Yeah, he, he's my favorite. So yeah. distributor and, a, and a bring the whole team together? Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. I mean, Ronaldo's great, but uh, I, I just like Messi more. All right. Uh, you went to Plant High School, mm -hmm. same high school as Wade Boggs, um, known for baseball. Wade Boggs known for eating chicken before every game. Do you eat chicken before every game? Um, I mean, if they have it at the pregame, yeah. <laughs> you leave it up to the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's whatever's there, I'm, I'm going to eat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He's actually still uh, coaching one of the high schools down there. Is he? Yeah. We, nice. Whenever we play their team, he's out there. So that, that's kind of cool. All right. Very cool. One more for you. Forrest Whitley, obviously a teammate of yours. Uh, when you see him pitch, when you see that stuff, what goes through your mind? You have two options here. Wow, I'd like to have a shot at hitting that. Or, man, I'm glad he's on my team. Yeah, uh, absolutely on my team. I mean, <laughs> la last year in double A when I was playing with him towards the end of the year when he was up, I was in center. And I would just see, like, he would locate really well. He would His movement on his pitches were great. And he's just, that, that's why he's so good. He's yeah. smart with uh, how to pitch, pitch the guys and you know, his movement makes it even, even better. All right, you have passed the fastball <laughs> segment. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with Fortnite the rest of the week and, of course, going forward with the Astros. Yeah, thank you. Another victim of fastball, Jonathan. But good job there by Kyle Tucker. Grateful that he was able to join us and that he's here for the winter meetings. You don't always see a lot of players at the winter meetings. Right. It's neat that they're adding that kind of event to get some players involved, especially the younger players. He talked a little bit about his first taste of the big leagues. Obviously, statistically, it was a struggle, and he went back down. But that's in no means says anything about what we should expect in the future from Kyle Tucker. Right. First and foremost, I'm probably the only father of a teenager who's grateful to Fortnite. I mean, none of that makes any sense uh, just because that's why he's here. And the fact that my son doesn't play Fortnite. That's so the amazing it thing. Is, it is amazing. That's, if I've done nothing right as a parent, it's that. And I had nothing to do with it. But, uh, no, it was, it was good to see him. I mean, there are a number of players here doing that. And, uh, you know, it's funny how people like to extrapolate from that first go round in the big leagues and it was I think 90 at bats yeah. if that and it was over two different stints where you're looking over your shoulder the first time he knew he was only going to be up for a short amount of time you need to let someone play I mean uh, the fact to me that the Astros are looking to add a, a veteran outfielder is a little bit strange to me uh, someone pointed out that like if they were to sign a Michael Brantley uh, they also have some DH at bats available now again so they they could have them both there and Brantley could DH some and and you know they could switch back and forth I don't think you want him DHing a young outfielder right. but you can't take too much of that I mean I encourage people and I bring this up all the time to look at Mike Trout's numbers that's the one I always, always think of yeah because he was terrible and then they sent him to the fall league and he was terrible and then he became the best player in baseball the next year it's you know everything is sample size until there's been an extended amount of regular playing time uh, and i think especially for a guy like kyle tucker who's got a little bit of a, a more unusual setup he's toned it down some but he was the kind of guy that coming out of high school some scouts were like i don't i don't know whether it's going to work it's some moving parts so I, I think there's some rhythm and some timing that he has to get down and he moves up to a new level and he plays some and then he doesn't play because he struggled but he was there and then he plays it and it, it was not the right setting or situation to really judge who he's going to be as a big leaguer look at the numbers in triple a as 
one of the youngest regulars in the Pacific Coast League. I think that's a better indication of what he's going to be. Doesn't mean he's going to come up at the start of 2019 and set the world on fire, but I think if he becomes an everyday outfielder in 2019, he's going to start putting up numbers. The winter meetings is usually a time where we do this podcast. We generally do it on Tuesday like we're doing right now, and we have a handful of, of good trades and some prospects that moved. Right. Not so much this no. week. A little quiet so far, but we have one today on day two. Not necessarily a big prospect, but no. it's a trade. We're going to talk about it. It's uh, Ivan Nova makes the move over to the south side. He goes to the Chicago White Sox. The Pirates get Jordi Rosario. Fill us in on who Jordi Rosario is. He's really just getting started. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he pitched, uh, split the last summer between the Dominican Summer League and, and pitched well enough to make it to the Arizona Rookie League. Uh, he's interesting because he actually has a good feel for pitching already for someone his age. Uh, he's not throwing 97. You know, he's kind of low 90s, uh, fairly athletic, okay secondary stuff. It's like if things start to click, if he, if he grows and, and, and adds strength and maybe there's more in the tank to go with the fact that he's got a decent feel for pitching and he throws strikes, uh, then we'll see. But he's so far away. I, I didn't put him into the Pirates' top 30. Uh, let's, let's see what happens in the next probably couple of summers. I, I can't imagine that he's a guy who'll go to a full-season club even next year, more be an extended spring training guy. But you know, given who the Pirates were trading away and taking nothing away. Ivan Nova was you know, a huge find yeah. for, for the Pirates kind of off the scrap heap. Uh, they kind of fixed him, and he was really good. And then last year uh, was really up and down, but he can eat up innings. Uh, so that I, I will, help, will help the White Sox in that regard. But it's also the Pirates clearing a lot of money and getting some international money in return. So it, it sounded about right. Ivan Nova is not the kind of guy who's going to make a big – splash trade-wise in terms of getting a prospect in return. Yeah, definitely. All right, so there were teams that came in here that we thought could be busy as far as making trades, making a splash, having the prospects to do it, being in a position that they're going to contend in 2019. They haven't done that, but let's talk about them anyway because it could still happen. <laughs> right. um, the Braves, obviously, are one team. They're looking for a frontline starter. They have more than enough tools to get one. They also may have a few of their own in waiting coming right. up through the well, minors. So it's an interesting standpoint for them is do you make that move or do you rely on what you have? I think that's exactly right. And, and finding that balance is going to be yeah. challenging for them. In some ways, the fact that they were so far ahead of where they thought, even they thought they were going to be last year, uh, maybe makes them feel that they need to hit the accelerator a little more, a little more rapidly. And, and I think they want to be careful. Um, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was actually talking to Damon Oppenheimer, who was one of the scouts of the year. Uh, I'm going to connect the dots in just a second, so stick with me, Tim. Um, <laughs> Following along. Yeah, but he was saying that being able to have a top five or ten farm system and compete at the major league level regularly is almost impossible. Right. You can't do both. You can do both for a certain amount of time, but eventually you're going to want to win the whole thing if you want to just compete you can do that and have a good farm system but at a certain point in time you're like well boy we're this close to actually getting rings so and the braves are closer faster than they thought they were going to be and they have so much depth i think one of the things that they would be able to do is make a trade and still have a good amount of talent 
left in their farm system. They have so much pitching talent that eight I th- in the top 100. Right. right? It's, it's 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 and outside of what I mean, Austin Riley and Kristen Pache. Right. It's pitching. Right. And more pitching and more pitching. You know. Mike Soroka being a little banged up and a little uncertain about his future because it was a shoulder, you know, maybe that makes them think maybe we should trade some of these guys now because we don't know. But at every level of their system, they've got an arm that looks like he could be a top half of a rotation starter. You can't have 16 starters, so uh, and you can move some of the guys to the bullpen. Um, so you know, we'll see what happens with that. I think it's going to be interesting. A lot of times we'll do, like, for Futures Game broadcasts, we'll do, like, future lineups or rotations. And trying to figure out what the Braves are going to be is yeah. almost impossible because, like, all right, well, all right, Bryce Wilson, sure, you'll go to the bullpen. I don't care if you're one of the best starting pitchers in the <laughs> minor leagues, but someone's got to go to the bullpen. So they do have the ability that they could make trades that would be more than incremental improvements while still – having some of those elite-level players. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. You mentioned not being able to have both, and we've seen so many examples of that, right? The Cubs had the loaded system, and they got good, and then there's nowhere to put them. You make the trades. They won it all, and now their system's not there. The, the Red Sox this year, right? they found homes for, for Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts and Jackie Bradley and all these guys, but then they had to get Chris Sale. They had to get right. Craig Kimbrell. And I, and I think the Red Sox did it longer yeah. The most, I mean, you see what the the Yankees are, are doing as well. They realized that they needed to rededicate themselves to to building up that farm. They couldn't do it just by trading guys away, especially because eventually you run out of guys to trade away, and that's why you can't sustain it. Um, but I, I think those, those are all really good examples of those teams that they did it. Or even the, the Royals, when you go back when they did win it all, they knew when they decided we're going for it. They went for it. They won. It was worth it. They knew that they were leaving behind a, a fairly barren system because they're not picking at the top of the draft. And now with the draft pool, that means their 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 bonus pool is smaller. There's less you can do with it. Um, you know, again using Damon Oppenheimer as the example because I happened to talk to him. He has never picked above 15th as the, uh, overseeing Yankees drafts. Now, yeah. sometimes you get lucky and you get Aaron Judge. Not lucky, but you know you get a good player. But it's it's more difficult, and you have less creativity to get, uh, you know, like the Astros did when they pick Carlos Correa number one, and they save a bunch of money, and they get Lance McCullers and Rio Ruiz, who they then turned around in a trade. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, that's the how you do it. Even the Astros are, are thinner because not only are they trading players away, but they are young at the big league level. So there's a log jam there. So if you don't trade guys away, they just languish. Another team that has been well they've said it they're going to spend money but they also have some pieces and they could use trade pieces the phillies um the system isn't as deep as it maybe was a year ago but there's still some pieces and they may be in the position to to pull the trigger right and and keeping in mind last week we talked about jp crawford being in a trade he's not a prospect you know scott kingery is not a prospect scott kingery is not going anywhere uh i I don't really don't think but they've got a lot of those young players who made it up to to the billies and that's why they graduated some players and it does look like they're choosing the free agent route right now in terms of what they're doing but let's say you know so they sign andrew mccutcheon uh and let's say they make a big play for bryce harper and it doesn't work out they still have some pieces if they wanted to go out and trade for uh, for an outfielder if that's what they feel they need the most. Uh, Sixto Sanchez is their is their number one prospect. His name has come up. The one thing that you always have to be wary of when you're at the winter meetings is like, oh, well, Sixto Sanchez's name keeps coming up. Well, why? Because every time the Phillies call somebody and ask, ask what's it, it. going to take, that's who they ask for. Of course, they're going to ask for the top prospect. 
He's a little more complicated because he dealt with some injuries last year, but the stuff is so, so good. Uh, and he's probably, if healthy, not that far away. Even though uh, he didn't pitch a lot last year, I could see him starting the year in double A. And if he's healthy, he could be in the big leagues at some point in 2019. The stuff is that good. Rule 5 draft, Thursday morning. Let's go. It'll be streaming live yes. on MLB.com. Uh, we will have it for you, me and Jonathan. Um, for people that don't know, it's always the end of the winter meetings, and it's a chance for players to kind of pluck talent from other systems that's not protected at a certain point. You know what? I'm going to let you explain it. No, I won't keep going. <laughs> right? If you get a certain <laughs> amount of time, you have to put a player on, a, on your 40-man roster, right. or they're available, they can be taken. If you do take a player, and it is the same draft order as the draft coming up in June, they have to stick on your big league roster all year. Unless they're injured, then you can put them on the injured right. list. But So that's the caveat, is that and that's what makes it more of a, a game that teams that are rebuilding can play because they have places to put these players and stash them, whereas contenders can't afford to do that. How'd I do? That was pretty good. All right. Yeah, I mean, the minutia, it doesn't matter. $100,000 to, right. to take a player. You offer them back for $50,000. So it's a really, it's kind of a low risk. And maybe it's not a high reward anymore. Uh, they changed the rules not that long ago, so teams have an extra year to evaluate players. So uh, the ability to find a Josh Hamilton uh, or even a Joaquin Soria uh, are fewer and far between uh, because teams get an extra year of getting to evaluate guys like that. You know, both Josh Hamilton and Joaquin Soria had barely played in A-ball. Uh, so that was a huge risk that, that paid off. If it doesn't pay off, it's not really that big of a deal. The injury thing is, is kind of interesting because it gives you an opportunity to get a much longer look at, uh, at players because they can go on really long rehab assignments and things of that nature. So uh, that's sort of an interesting wrinkle that I think more and more teams are looking into. The Royals nailed it last year yeah. as far as this goes. Brad Keller, they took him out of the D-back system. And by the end of the season, when you look at the numbers for the Kansas City Royals, you can, make the, you can really make the argument that Brad Keller was their best pitcher right which is pretty amazing and essentially he started in the bullpen yeah. and eventually just worked his way into the rotation and then just kept pitching well uh doesn't miss a ton of bats you know but uh i was looking to see you know comparing him to other rule five picks of of, of the last several years and in terms of rookie seasons he was about as good as it gets now a lot of things have to come into play because you have to get regular playing time. So some of the like the greatest Rule 5 picks of all time, like Johan Santana was buried in the Twins' bullpen, mm -hmm. something that doesn't happen now for his first year. So I mean, his war, his rookie year, wasn't very good. But outside of Odubel Herrera, who had a great rookie year and then made the All-Star team the following year and got a, a big contract extension, Brad Keller's war, which if I remember correctly was 3.6, was better than anybody's. Odubel Herrera's was 4. So... Uh, a really, really good find for the Royals, and they needed someone to kind of take a role and then soak up innings. So, uh, yeah, by and large, it's going to be those teams that are rebuilding that uh, that need that. The Orioles, I think, are at 38 on their 40-man roster, uh, and they have the number one pick. They're expected to take two players, and uh, unless they are just absolutely terrible uh, during during spring training. It wouldn't surprise me if they carried two Rule 5 guys next year. Yeah, why not? Right. Especially when you're Michael Elias taking over a new system and he has a chance to maybe bring in some of his own, right? Let's get to that yep. and some of the guys that could possibly go. And we'll start with the Orioles because one of the guys that's been talked about a lot is Riley Farrell, who Michael Elias was a big part of bringing into the Houston Astros system. 
and now he can kind of carry him over to Baltimore if he wants to. Right. It's a whether it's why well, I need to prove that I was right to to draft the guy yeah. as he was a scouting director when when uh, Farrell was was drafted, or I don't want to be reminded that uh, that maybe <laughs> he wasn't quite as good as we thought. But you know, they knew what they were getting when they drafted Riley Farrell, and that was you know a guy who has a huge arm and doesn't always know where it's going and. He's kind of that same guy. I mean, the stuff is really, really good. It's upper 90s fastball. He's the kind of player that usually gets taken uh, because if a team thinks, well, I can fix that or we can let him work through it and it's only going to be in the bullpen where command isn't as big of an issue, that's by and large where guys have impacts, even if they're not huge names. Uh, but it's usually bullpen arms. And this crop, there's a lot more pitchers than there are hitters to choose from. So I think that's... Uh, a high possibility of someone they might be interested in taking. You mentioned injuries and how that can factor into this, and Jake Gatewood, I guess, would be in that realm, right? He's a guy with yep. all sorts of power. A lot of people recognize that name as a prospect, but he's injured. He's available. It, it's, it's interesting because in 2017, he kind of had a, a breakthrough season where it looked like he was figuring things out. He's always had a ridiculous amount of swing and miss. That was something that plagued him in high school, uh, and he ended up you know, sliding kind of out of the, the first round proper and, and went a little bit later on uh, to the Brewers. Had a breakout in 2017. This last year, he struggled a little bit moving up to upper levels. Uh, still showed some power. A lot of swing and miss. Draws an okay amount of walks. He's not like one of these guys that's a sort of three true outcomes where he's going to walk right. 100 times. But he does have that capability. And then he blew out his knee. It tore his ACL. So what makes this interesting is that kind of like what the Pirates did with Nick Birdie last year, uh, who was coming off of Tommy John surgery, he can start the year on the 60-day disabled list. He, they can wait until those 60 days are over, then send him on a nice lengthy rehab where they can let him play every day and get a look at him. Worst thing that happens is then they send him back. Right? All right, it's not going to work, or the knee's not coming back. Uh, he's expected to make a full recovery. Where he plays defensively is the biggest challenge because he was a shortstop in high school. No one really thought he was going to stay at shortstop. He's big. Third didn't really work. He's been playing first. He's kind of a good athlete with a good arm. I might see if in all this rehab time, hit him 5,000 fly balls yeah. a day, whatever it is, see if left field could work. Then suddenly you have a guy with some power who you can corner outfield first base, maybe DH. I know the Orioles have some of those guys still, but – uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for an American League team, and since the Orioles are picking up top, you know, and they may want to pick two guys, uh, that might be something they, they might want to consider doing. All right, give me one more name we should be on the lookout for. One more name. I think the, the guy whose name I'm hearing the most of late, and it's still early, Wednesdays usually, sorry, is Richie Martin, who's the, the shortstop from the A's, who's the 20th overall pick. Uh, somewhat, a little bit surprising um, that he was taken so high, but he's had a pretty good pro career and actually had a really solid 2018 season in double A. hit 300, stole 25 or so bases, uh, mostly played shortstop, almost exclusively. Last year played a bunch of games at second, so he's comfortable on both sides. These days with all the defensive shifting, guys move around all the time anyway, so mm -hmm. his ability to slide on either side, that gives him some flexibility. I'm sure he could play third base if that's what you wanted him to. So I think he's a guy who's shown that he can swing the bat a little bit with a decent approach against upper-level pitching. More comfort with a guy like that being able to make that, that leap and accepting 
maybe more of a utility role kind of thing where you may not get to play every day. It's the Rule 5 draft. If you're on the East Coast this year, you get to sleep in because we're on the West Coast. 9 a.m. is always the start time local, so it'll be noontime Eastern. You can catch it on MLB.com as we'll be streaming the entire uh, big league level portion of the event. I look, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I usually set my alarm to the Rule 5 draft, so it's good. We won't get to sleep in, though. That'll do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. We'll catch you again next time.